Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. to um, give you guys a little bit of an update and then jump into something else here. But um, for those of you who may be unaware, uh, we are in the midst of trying to buy our own property for ourselves, for our church. Um, We've leased for all these years, nearly 20 years. And so we're in the midst of that. We're about halfway through our due diligence period. Uh, It's going really well so far. We've also been able to raise some money. I I mentioned a few weeks ago that we were hoping to raise around $200,000 to help toward down payment or upfitting costs. We're over halfway there on that, by the way. Awesome. Thank you for your generosity and giving. We're not there yet. We still need some more. So feel free to to keep giving generously to that. We want to get in there without it being a stress or a strain, knowing that the Lord is providing, and and we're just so thankful. So also, if you could be praying for all that we need to come in. So we'll just uh, have that. And the Lord is, he he owns everything, right? He can do that. Um, we'll We'll know a lot more over these next two weeks in the due diligence period related to what the costs, the real costs will be for upfitting, for getting the tenant spaces ready to rent out, all of those things. All those numbers are starting to come in this week. Uh, There's phase one environmental testing. There's title search stuff. There's a survey. There's, um, um, what do you call that? Uh, Other things (laughs) that are going on. Yes, lots of things going on. So we'll be getting all those numbers here this week. I'll let you guys know as we get into this more and closer. Uh, also want to show you, uh, if you want to give toward this, you can pledge. If you can only give so much each week or month and you want to do this throughout the year, feel free to do that. You can go to our website. That's actually the first, and this is when I'm supposed to press the button, right there. Um, awakechurch.com forward slash new dash building dash campaign, or just go to our website. You'll see it on there. And if you click on that, it will show you a pledge button that you can go to and you can pledge, you can give one time, you can give cash, you can give stock actually to us as well, or even crypto. We're working on getting that site up and running so you can even give crypto if you wanted to. You could drop off a check. Uh, As I mentioned before, I was in Africa recently and they keep the chickens at the back of the room and they bring up those for offerings and that is about the only thing we won't take at this moment that will go toward this just because I can't transfer that. So, um, but thank you for your giving and, uh, and also just please keep praying. Um, as you're praying about this, we really want this. If this is the Lord, it seems to be at this point and we just could use your prayers. We, we want this place and this is what the Lord has for us. And even what David was, was saying there just a little bit ago about the purpose that the Lord has for us as a church, uh, you are the church, it's not a building, right? But buildings are useful, and um, it helps us to do a lot of different things. And so uh, we we'll promise to keep our, our eye on the ball, and that is the kingdom of heaven, the church that God has given to grow us. Um, but also, we want to also live wisely, have facilities where we're not paying rent forever, and uh, be able to give more and more. 
into missions and many other things. So uh, that's what's going on there. Brief up, update on that. I'll, I'll continue to update you along the way as we go. Uh, I want to start out of Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. This is Jesus speaking. He had just shared. This is um, on the, the mount is where he's speaking. He shares the Beatitudes. And then he shares this in Matthew 5, 13. He says, you are, and he's speaking to everyone listening, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14, but you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, then, after saying who we are, he says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Jesus did not say, you will be salt. He did not say, you will be one day light. He said, you are. You are, right now, you are salt, you are light. This is what Jesus says that we are. If you want to know who you are, he's the one who tells us, the creator is the one who tells us what we are, who we are. And he says that you are light, you are salt. Sometimes we don't feel that way, but the reality is that we are. And sometimes we need to tell ourselves what God says we are to myself. Sometimes I need to be saying that to myself. I am the light of the world. I've done that several times throughout my life. Have you ever done that? Let's just do it right now. I am the light of the world. Let's do it again. I am the salt of the earth. It's who you are. Jesus said it. Those who follow him, this is what he declares. Whether you feel it or not, we, we base way too much on feelings, right? Feelings lie. Feelings get weird. They really do. Some feelings tell you things that are not true. And if we live by feelings, then we have a society which we are seeing around us right now that becoming things that were, they were never meant to be based on feelings, right? We are who Jesus says that we are. It also says in this as Jesus is speaking, that verse 16 says, let your light shine. Allow it to. You know, when the first and when everything was created in the beginning, most things, at least in the beginning, he, start, he just said, let this happen. Let this happen. And then he says, you're the light of the world. Let it shine. Let it out. Do something. Shine. Be light. Be love. Allow it to happen. We get to control this. Isn't that crazy how this works? We can either allow light to shine or we can keep it in. We can either be salty, not angry salty, 
We can be salt or we can hold that in and not be salt. Jesus is saying to, man, allow it. Allow who you are to be who you are. Allow who you are to come out, to flow, to happen. Let it happen. Over the past few weeks, we've heard Don, not Don, Dan Moeller share about being light, right? He, he did that. A lot of what he talked about was being light. When Steve Witt was here uh, a couple weeks ago, he talked about asking people, are you a Jesus follower? Just engaging people with a question. Any, have any of you had a chance to do that, by the way? Yeah. Several of you have. Has it been fun? I want us all to do this. Just asking people, are you a Jesus follower? It engages them, allows them to talk. It is letting light out. It's, it's being salt. And then last week, Stephen Roach shared his testimony about how he met Jesus and how people kept coming into his life and being salt until he became a follower of Jesus. And he has all of these years now. And it's what you and I are called to be. I believe this is the year of salvation. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. I believe 2021 is going to be a year of great salvation for so many people. We're just starting. But we get to be a part of it. Jesus said of himself, he said, I am the light of the world. I think it's John chapter nine. I'm the light of the world while I'm in the world was what he said. Then in Matthew 5, we just read, you are the light of the world. He shifted it from him being the light of the world, wise in the world, to you are the light of the world. He deputized us. He's partnering with us so that we would be like him, not just behave like him in being kind and gentle and forgiving, but like him in being salt, in being in shining and demonstrating heaven and demonstrating the kingdom. The world is lost. People are lost. Horribly lost. Which makes light more attractive and also makes it right. It makes it brighter. It makes it shine and stand out more than ever before. You being light will stand out. The prophecy from Daniel 2,600 years ago about the last days God gives Daniel insight into the last days, 2,600 years before it, it happens. And here's what Daniel says. Those who have insight, that's interesting, those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. Jesus says to shine, Daniel prophesied it years and years before that those who have insight will shine brightly like the expanse of heaven and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Leading to righteousness, who is righteousness? Jesus. It's leading people to the one who is righteous. We will then shine like the stars forever and ever and ever. There's a shining beyond our shining here that the Lord has for us. And I believe God is positioning you and I to have insight, to have insight, which gives us opportunity to pray, to act, to speak, to shine, to love really well. 
This is our time. This is our moment. You were born and saved for these days. You weren't born 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 1,000 years ago. We were born for these days to shine now. These are the days to shine. And, you know, we're to not only be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, but the enemy is always wanting to keep us from doing those things. He's wanting to cause us to be more reserved, keep things to ourselves, lock it up, not share it, not shine. Just be dim, hide it under a bushel, protect it. Make sure, you know, I'm saved and I just wanna make it through. That's not what we're here for. We're not here to just make it through. We're here to shine, to be bright. There's a picture of this in the natural. The Bible also says that the natural comes before the spiritual. Paul said that. And in so many ways in the earth, in the natural, you can see things that speak to spiritual realities. One of those is this one that is actually in Israel. So let me um, put this up. If you can see it, it actually says at the top, Sea of Galilee, that's the first body of water. Then you see this river going south. It's the Jordan River. Then it goes into the Dead Sea. This is current image. This has been talked about throughout the Bible as well. These places are historic. There's a lot of history around these places. But what I want to talk about are these two bodies of water, the Sea of Galilee, which is like 200 and some feet below sea level, right? And then out of it flows to the Dead Sea, which is way below sea level. So the Sea of Galilee is beautiful. It's got three rivers that flow into it, three fresh rivers. It also has springs underneath it that bubble up and provide water. So you've got input of fresh water from several different places. And in the Sea of Galilee are 27 species of fish, lots of fish, lots of life. People get their living from the fish that come out of this. Provides water, 30% of the water for the entire country of Israel comes from the Sea of Galilee as well. So it is giving life in so many different ways. Lots of, those are some of the catfish in there. And then it flows out, it's got an outlet, which is also the Jordan River. The Jordan River flows into it, along with other rivers. But there's just one outlet, and it's the Jordan River, and it flows from there about 150 miles, going lower and lower and lower to the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is beautiful. But it's also at 1,400 feet below sea level. It's the lowest point on earth is the Dead Sea. Beautiful, but salty. Super salty. In fact, the Dead Sea is a 34% salt. So give you, a, as a comparison, the ocean, which we know is salt water, is 3%. The Dead Sea's 34%, over 10 times more salty than the ocean is the Dead Sea. And the fish that were in the Sea of Galilee and swimming down the Jordan River, if they make it to the Dead Sea, guess what happens? They're dead, right? 
They die. The only thing that lives in the Dead Sea is bacteria. No life, no fish, no one make their living from that, no fresh water from there to drink. It's dead. And here's what I find so fascinating about this is Galilee has a lot of input, a lot of fresh water coming into it, but it also has an outlet. It's giving the Jordan River. The Dead Sea has a lot of input, one river coming right into it, but it has no outlet. It doesn't give a thing. As far as water goes, it just, it does not, nothing coming out of it, only coming into it, just receiving, 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 receiving. And it gets so salty that it's of no use, unless it's like for bath salts and stuff. The salt can be of use for other things. But the Dead Sea is dead. And I, when I saw this, and the, it really spoke to me of the difference between Galilee and the Dead Sea related to people. We can receive and receive and receive, but if there's no outlet, we get super salty. Right? You can get angry. You can get focused on your own stuff. And without outlet, we just, we're dead. Anything alive is giving away something. If you're alive, you're giving, especially spiritually. If we're dead, we're just receiving. We want to be able to give and give. And as much as I am receiving, I'm giving. Jesus said, those who believe in him from out of our bellies, our innermost being will what? Flow rivers of living water. There's a giving that comes out of every believer. It's supposed to have rivers of it, like a Jordan River coming out of us because we've got the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit building into us, right? We are in Jesus, he fills us, and there is something that's supposed to happen. Something's supposed to come out of us. Not just keep us saved, but where we are to be those who are giving, looking for places to give, looking for places to give resource, looking for places to give prayer, looking for places to give healing, looking for places to give life, to give encouragement, to give love. We are called to be givers. God has allowed us and invited us to participate with him to be like him. He's a giver. He's the greatest giver of all time. Everything he does is giving. And when we get saved, we go from a selfish person to that old man dying and being a receiver only. And it's all about me. To being renewed and becoming a giver. To becoming, how do I, man, there's someone who's not saved. There's someone who is lost. There's someone who's hurting. There's someone who needs healing. How can I help? That should be what the operating system that changes on the inside of us if we we become those that have an outlet. Rivers of living water coming out of us. That is normal Christianity. And I know I, for one, am guilty oftentimes of thinking about my problems, being focused on those rather than how can I help other people? How can I help those around me, especially those who are lost? Um, several years ago, I was speaking, it's not speaking, I was teaching in the school of ministry and uh, one of the students came up to me after and said, I need an appointment with you. So I met with him and 
he started telling me all of his problems he was having, several different problems, several different issues, and he was so focused on these things. And as he was speaking, I had a word of wisdom. Sometimes you'll just get this idea, you'll just get this word of wisdom, and it just dropped right inside of me. And I said to him, his name is Jonathan, I said, Jonathan, I know exactly how to help. I said, I want you to stand up and get out of my office and go to the mall. We were about 15 minutes from a mall. And I said, share your testimony or the gospel with three different people. And he looked at me with anger. He was too salty. Salt had accumulated and he was focused on his salt and focused on everything else going on in his life. And he was not happy with me and he left. As he was driving home toward his apartment, the Holy Spirit reminded him of the words that I said to him and said, why don't you just do it? It's like, remember when the guy came from Syria who is a leper and the prophet told him to go dip in the Jordan River? And he said, are you crazy? This is my translation. There are nicer rivers in Syria that I could go dip in. I'm not going to do that. He, he left. He went away. But on the way, his friend said, man, if that prophet would have told you to do something spectacular, wouldn't you have done it? He said, yes. Well, why don't you go and dip in this river? See what happens. Well, I told Jonathan, just go to the mall and share your testimony. And he was reminded of that and thought, you know what? Maybe I'll give that a try. He went to the mall. It was Carolina Place Mall in Pineville. And a few hours later, I get a phone call from Jonathan. And he is excited. He is overflowing with joy. He's not thinking about any of his problems. He's just led three people to the Lord at the mall. And it is like his whole demeanor, his um, his mindset, everything has been shifted as he allowed outflow rather than just input, rather than just receiving, rather than just getting a new message or hearing something, you know, a late, latest piece of wisdom. He started to, an outflow and his problems went away. Isn't that interesting? The dead sea's dead because nothing gets out. And I can become like the Dead Sea a little bit when it's just about me, when it's just about the things that I need, just the, everything lining up okay. And, you know, if everything's not lined up okay, then it's a bad day. What? No. God is God of every day. Amen. Right? Jesus is king. He is Lord regardless of everything lining up okay. And if I will look to outflow and give, Watch what God will do in my situation. And some of my situation doesn't need to change. I just need to get my eyes off of it. Right? That is exactly right. Whether you agree or not, it's true. <laughs> A lot of times we can be unsatisfied because we're, we become the Dead Sea in a way. In a sense, just... Another thing I, I like to do is I like to fish. I've fished since I was, my dad is a fisherman, and so he would take his fishing, and I've fished since I was little. I've got pictures of me about that tall. 
fishing. And I don't do it a ton now, but I still really enjoy it when I do get to fish. There's an excitement about it. Um, my favorite fishing would probably be river fishing. Lake fishing's okay. Ocean fishing okay, is great too. Something about the ocean, you never know what's going to come up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have no idea. There's so many different species of fish, and you don't know what you're going to catch. And it's, uh, there's a challenge. There's a, an excitement. There's an unknown that you're exploring into. You, then you're trying to figure out with any type of fishing what depth the fish are at. What are they hungry for? Is it the right time of day? All of those things. Some fish, you have to be sneaky. Some fish are so dumb, you, do, you can be loud and whatever, splash around, doesn't matter. Other fish, some trout in particular, steelhead, those types, super cautious. And you've got to be quiet around them or they're going to bolt. So you have to learn how to catch these fish. You have to be sneaky yourself. You have to figure out what they need and then get it to them. Fishing is an interesting thing. Jesus, a third of his disciples were fishermen. Interesting, he takes those kind of guys and says to them in his calling of them, if you follow me, I'm gonna, you're gonna keep fishing, but it'll be for people instead of fish. So you're still gonna fish, but it's gonna be a, there's gonna be an adjustment. And I'm going to teach you how to catch people, how to catch men. And then of all, not just those four, two sets of brothers, but all 12 become fishermen in the spirit. They become fishers of men because that's the calling of a disciple of Jesus. If you follow him, rivers of water come out of you and you end up catching fish, people. That's part of our calling, of every person's calling. I had a dream several years ago when my kids were really young. And I've had several dreams similar to it since then. Lots, I have lots of fishing dreams. This dream, uh, I'll, I'll never forget, I was on a shore and there was a river, a body of water that was really dirty, dark. And you would never think you would ever want to fish in this because a fish couldn't see anything. And then I looked at my pole, and I had a lure on the end, and it was this huge, clunky, red lure that was just ugly. And I thought, there is no respectable fish <laughs> that would ever pursue that. I was thinking these things in my mind. I'm in the dream. And I thought, uh, well, I'm here. I've got a rod. There's some water. Let me just at least throw it in anyway. With zero faith, I chunk this ugly lure in the water and I'm pulling it to shore and all of a sudden, wham, huge bite. I've got this fish much larger than I ever anticipated. I pull it to shore and it is big, kind of like those catfish we just saw, flopping around and I looked over for a stick to grab to give it a whack in the head. That's what you do with big fish that are flopping around. And as I did that, I got the stick, it turned over and its face was the face of a baby child. God, it shocked me. I dropped the stick. And instead of killing it, I picked it up, took the hook out, picked it up, and took it home. And when I got home, I said, honey, this is all the dream. I said, um, do we have any clothes from the kids that they're not wearing anymore? 
So she went in the dresser and she pulls out these clothes that our kids used to wear and I start dressing this fish. And as I put clothes on the fish, arms grew out through the holes. So it not only had the face of a child, now it had the body of a child. And we kept it. And we nurtured it and we fed it and it became part of the family. And I woke up thinking that was one of the strangest dreams I've ever had. And I've had several since then that have been actually really similar. That's because in the scriptures, Jesus speaks of fish as being people and catching them as catching people. And the one who wins souls is wise, it says, right? And that as we catch, and then it's not just catching, but it's helping disciple them or dressing them, and caring for them, they become part of this family. They become part of the family of the kingdom of heaven. And it's what we are all called to do. We're called to catch. And you know what? One of the things that also stood out to me in the dream was this ugly red lure is what got this thing. This in dirty water, the darkest of water that you would think a fish could not see. And maybe it couldn't. Maybe it accidentally hit the lure. And sometimes I've caught fish like in the side before. You're not, that's not, you know, you're not too proud of that, but I still caught it. Sometimes, you know, just having the lure in the water is going to catch in the darkest of times, people who are starving, people who are hungry, people who are desperate, people who are needy, people who need help, people who need a prayer. They're they're waiting for one person to care enough to actually pray for them. And that is like an ugly lure in the water. And next thing you know, you've got them. And now they can be nurtured and discipled. And I've had this sense for a while, for several years, that we would be seeing a day where every single one of us here would need to be discipling other people because they're gonna be coming in so much. That the nets will be full. You know, and Jesus said to his disciples, just put the net down on the other side of the boat. That was a six foot difference from zero to 153 fish because it was that moment and the time and Jesus said, now's the time for the fish to come. And I believe we are going to begin to see those type of things happening where we're gonna need to have some extra Bibles around. We're gonna need to spend some time putting clothes on fish and taking care of them and dressing them because the great harvest is about to begin. I really believe it, and we get to be a part of this. We get to be a part of this as we allow the outflow, living waters from our innermost being to flow out The Father is the one who draws people. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts people. Jesus is the one who saves people. But we get to love and share and let overflowing waters touch people and be light and be salt. God's preparing us for this. And sometimes there are those silent years. You know, I think of the life of Jesus from age 12 to 30. There's zero record that we have of what he did. It's silent. God was doing something preparing him, growing him, sharing things with him that 
when it was time at age 30, the gates open. There goes Jesus. And it was so crazy because his brothers didn't even think he was, you know, all that much. Right? The people in this town was like, yeah, yeah, it's a carpenter's kid. There are some of us here right now, and the Lord's been preparing you for many years, putting stuff, deposits on the inside of you. So those living waters will come out in ways you never thought even possible. There'll be those moments where you were silent for years, and now, what in the world? There's this sharing that keeps happening. There's this change that has happened on the inside of us. Some who, I think some of the, the greatest evangelists towards the last days and these days that we're in right now are people who are probably pretty much introverts. But their calling is the opposite of their feeling. Their purpose is beyond their personality. God will use any of us as we're looking for a Jordan River to come out of me, looking for an outlet, looking for ways to pray for people. As Steve said recently, I've had the same experience. If you ask for someone, if you ask someone, can I pray for you? It is rare that they will say no. They will say no sometimes. Most of the time, they'll say yes. Even if they're thinking you're gonna pray for them when you go to bed tonight and say a quick one. They will usually say yes, and then you surprise them like when you start reaching out your hand. Or you start praying, but most people will receive prayer. Most people are wanting to receive, that they're wanting something. This is our time to shine. You are not just an employee wherever you work, you're an undercover ambassador of heaven. Do you realize that? Wherever you work, in whatever neighborhood you are in, you are an undercover ambassador of heaven. And the Lord wants to remove your cover so that you are sharing and being liked and being loved and stepping out and knowing who you are. Who am I? I'm light and I'm salt. That's who I am. I'm filled with the Spirit of God. Jesus came here as God dressed up in the skin of a man. We are here with the skin of people filled with the Spirit of God. Isn't that amazing? We really are. He is inside of us. Wherever we go, he is there. We are carriers of the king. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.